just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The state's first-ever sanctioned homeless camp has opened in downtown Salt Lake City. Plus, what to expect in the way of construction in 2024 and our picks of the week. Executive producer Emily Means is here. It's Friday, December 22nd. I'm Allie Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Executive producer Emily Means, Salt Lake City and Utah's first ever sanctioned camp is open. It's finally happened. Yeah. It's finally happened. With some bumps along the way. Many a bump along the way. And probably more ahead of us. But for now, 25 individual pods that can house 50 people and they're expected to be full by basically today, Friday. Which is not surprising. I mean, capacity for only 50 people, we know that there's a much greater need for more shelter for our for our unhoused population here. Absolutely. I something about me is that I kind of love drive time radio. And I was listening to Bob (laughs) FM, which is our local kind of like 80s, 90s and today station. And they were doing a partnership with The Road Home, which is a a big service provider. And they were interviewing someone from The Road Home on Bob FM. And she said, last night, Tuesday night, this was Wednesday morning when I was listening, 1,000 plus people slept at a Road Home facility in Salt Lake County. And I was like, okay, so minus 50. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's like a it lot is, of people. It is worth celebrating, to be sure. But there are so many people that need shelter in this community. So we're going to need a lot more faster. Right. Let's focus on this project and what it brings to the table, Ali. Salt Lake Tribune's Blake Apgar, he's the city reporter, did a really nice job summing up the the first week of operations at our temporary shelter community here in Salt Lake City, which, by the way, is on 600 West and 300 South, right across the street from Salt Lake City Central Station. So I think that's a really great location. It is right at the end of the free fair zone for the Utah mm-hmm. Transit Authority. So very accessible by public transit and just a block or so away from other homeless resources in the area, namely the Wiegand Center and St. Vinny's Kitchen. So I think Mm -hmm. it's in a really good location. But um, I was really interested to read this in Blake's story that residents have their belongings searched before moving here. So no drugs or alcohol are allowed on site. And they have their living spaces checked hourly. That seems excessive to me, Allie, but I don't know. I guess that's just a a condition of of living in this shelter space. Yeah. I mean, I think what it is, is it's an important reminder that there is nothing free about the services that are being offered by the city in this way. And like it is sort of transactional in the sense that like your lifestyle 
is disrupted potentially in exchange for shelter. And the service providers would say like, this is a safety protocol or whatever. Like I'm sure they have a million reasons for something like that. But it, it is just like, you know, it's not like, here's the key, this is your home now, goodbye. It's very right. much like this is a trade-off. This is like you are now part of our living situation. Like your lifestyle is being managed, which is not really very freeing or liberating or necessarily empowering. Yeah. And I think that this is what's considered a very low barrier shelter situation. And um, when you look at some of the congregate shelters that we have, you know, we've got one for just women. We have one for just men. We have one for families. Um, You know, there are there are other rules, too, that you need to play by if you're going to if you're going to take shelter there. And I think it's a really big deterrent for a lot of people. Right. And one of the biggest deterrents is like you got your stuff and you can't bring all your stuff in. And even here, you know, you're limited to bringing just two bags into the space. You can leave your additional belongings in a in a moving container and they'll be locked up so they're safe there. But like, think about all the stuff that you just have in your house, Allie, right? Like, yep. I think about all the stuff in my house. I wouldn't know where to put it if I didn't have this apartment, right? And yeah. we're, we ask a lot of these folks just so that they can get a roof over their heads. So, yeah. So this temporary shelter community is going to be open through April, at which point we're really hoping for... Um, a seamless handoff, I think, to a more permanent solution that's actually run by the state or that's sponsored by the state, most likely at a different location. I don't think that we're thinking of this as the permanent location. This is land that's being leased by Salt Lake City's redevelopment agency, which Mm -hmm. I think is why it was easy enough for us to move pretty quickly on this. So very interested to see what the permanent solution will look like. And yeah, I mean, you know, we've still got a long winter ahead of us. We'll see. I mean, again, it's just it makes a small dent in need. I wanted to say something else, Allie. Thursday night, there was a vigil for 75 people who died in Salt Lake County while experiencing homelessness this past year. And some of those people died while living on the street. Others were living in emergency shelter or had been homeless for many years of their life. Um, Like the timing with the vigil and then like this celebration of this 50 person shelter being open. I don't know. It just kind of there's a feeling. Right. This shelter will house less people than have died in Salt Lake County on the street in the past year. And when we think about the fact that, like, this is worth celebrating, this is a victory, these pods do provide somewhat relief to people who are seeking a warm place to sleep and put some of their things. And pets are welcome and there's a a pet area and there's like a smoking area and coffee's provided and there are some amenities here that you wouldn't otherwise find necessarily in a park around the street. Um, Again, in terms of making a dent in our need, this is just that. It's a dent. Yeah. And for anyone who 
this is something we like to mention when we talk about homelessness, Allie. If you're feeling hopeless or like you can't do anything about this situation, um, I just wanted to mention quickly a volunteer opportunity. Uh, the Second and Second Coalition is going to be opening up 85 beds on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at the Methodist Church on 2nd and 2nd in Salt Lake City. And they always need volunteers, especially for the very late shift. They're open all night long um, so that these folks have a warm place to sleep at night. So I will link to their Facebook page where you can find information about signing up for a volunteer shift. They're also looking for folks to cook dinner for Mm -hmm. the guests at the church. So yeah, if you're looking for something to do, I think that's a really good way to get involved. Yeah. And the community of people involved in the coalition that put this on, because I volunteered there in the past as well, are like really great. You might even make a friend. Yeah. Think about it. It's a good way to spend your Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Totally agree. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, And be one in a class of 19, not 100. All right, let's talk about construction. Because headed into a new year in this city, I feel like it's looming. Jordan Miller at the Salt Lake Tribune obviously felt that way too. Which is why she wrote a piece that's basically about expectation setting. And that's important for us as Salt Lakers. (laughs) Listen, I thought it was so interesting. In this piece, city engineer Mark Stevens created this sort of analogy between us putting up with construction in the city and going to the doctor to get like a vaccine or a shot. And he said, quote, at least we know we're about to get poked with a needle. (laughs) And I was like, "Okay, yeah, 
expectation setting is the most important piece of this. Like people are mad when they turn a corner and they're not expecting a road to be closed. I think they are less aggrieved when they know, hey, don't go to Third West for two years. Yeah, we'll find another way around it. Well, Allie, the big project that we can look forward to next year is Hmm. the 2100 South redesign. We've talked about this before, but basically they're looking at making this a little bit more friendly to cyclists and pedestrians. They'll be building a shared use path for that purpose, as well as doing some other some other, uh, well, what are they doing, Allie? Oh, they're raising <laughs> still a median. Got four lanes. They're raising a median. I think the the number of lanes is going to change, kind of depending on where you are on twenty first between seventh east and thirteenth east. So there is a part where it drops down. I think into two mm-hmm. is part of the final plan, right? We're going to have some designated left turn lanes. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, the thing that's like going to be so painful about this project is not just the fact that 2100 is going to be torn up yet again. Like, didn't we just kind of tear it up a bit? Um, but it's going to be that like the end result satisfies nobody. Because in the whole like scoping of this project and in the design process, what we kind of got as an outcome is a quote unquote compromise that the cycling community and the urbanist community says is too milk toasty. It's not enough of a vision for creating a quote unquote downtown sugar house to really achieve all that much. And then the car enthusiasts are like, well, so there are going to be less lanes and we're going to have to be slower and like more frustrated putting up with construction. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it's not even like we were, we're like, oh, the end result is going to be Again, in terms of the needle prick, is it going to be yeah. worth it? <laughs> well, okay, listen, Allie, the, the voice of City Weekly editor Benjamin Wood is kind of like haunting me right now. He's a, he's a really big advocate for cyclists and uh, pedestrians. And he would remind us that road construction can lead to some really great outcomes for people who bike and walk. Now, you said we're not feeling that hot on 2100 South. But I guess when you're, we're setting expectations for construction generally in Salt Lake, I think it is helpful (laughs) to remind ourselves why these projects are happening to begin with, right? I know that 300 West was a huge frustration to drivers, right? Like I didn't, I tried my darndest not to go to Target or whatever for, for three years of construction. But what we got was a new bike trail there and wider sidewalks. And we saw the same thing with 900 South, right? We got the nine line trail put in there. On, on 200 South, there's now a dedicated bus lane. So, you know, all that to say, I know it'll be frustrating in the moment and I'll shake my fist in the direction of City Hall, but I'm I'm really hoping to see the light at the end of the tunnel for this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing about Third West is that like Target and Costco and PetSmart are going to be fine, right? Like right. they're not going to suffer. But like when you look at Second South, it's like, okay, there are you know, you've got HSL, you've got these small businesses that need this to end. So I think what's also really frustrating about these construction projects on the note of expectation setting is when they go on longer than we're told they will, right? Like the thing about Third West is that it was supposed to be a year project, basically, and then it ended up being like almost three year. Didn't it start in 2019? And then it just finished September of this year. So that's like a three year project. 
So why do these things take so long? Okay, there's the concept that has to be laid out. There's the design process. The transportation and engineering departments have to get together and figure out how to scope it all out. The thing that I thought was really interesting in Jordan Miller's story about what can delay all of this is when the public and private sectors are doing construction at the same time. Mm -hmm. And the key takeaway there was basically like often they do try and collaborate. Like the city and private developers will kind of huddle up every once in a while and say like, all right, we're going to be working here. What do you need? Oh, you need to lay water lines? Why don't you lay your water lines while, we, while we've already torn up 2100? Yeah. Even if you're not putting in your new development until the end of next year, then, you know, you can we can get two birds stoned at once, as my yeah. cousin would say. <laughs> and so that was a really interesting piece. But at the same time, like the other side of that is when there isn't collaboration and all right. of a sudden it's like, I think of it, you know what I think of it is like kind of the sharks and the jets are like, it's like, bring it on. Like I picture city workers are there and they're like working on a road project and then the private construction people show up and they're like, hey, we're working here too. And the city construction workers are like, what? <laughs> and, it and, then goes down. <laughs> and then they have a dance off. And then they have a dance off. And meanwhile, everyone is circumnavigating like an entire main thoroughfare in the city. <laughs> yeah. And 21st South is a big one for us. So yeah. Oh, yep. here's to uh, here's to more construction and hopefully a more walkable sugar house in the end. I mean, the thing that I would ask for, and I know that you feel the same, is dear private developers and city crews, if you need to shut it down in order to rebuild something, reconstruct something, build something anew, can you please make sure that the sidewalk doesn't end? Please. Like, Closing sidewalks and bike lanes for construction projects without creating alternatives is the biggest frustration. And like, it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous for all people. It's if you're using a wheelchair, if you're on a bike, if you're on foot, it's really dangerous to be thrown into these streets, given how often on the show we do talk about how unsafe Salt Lake mm -hmm. City streets are. Um, I don't know why it's so hard. Like a lot of big cities that are always under construction, thinking about like New York City, like the sidewalk never ends. You just get funneled into some little like weird uh, kind of like wooden tunnel thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And there is one of those over by the Astra Project on, right. on Main Street right now. So like, can we get more of those, please? Can we just budget for that? Like, I don't mind it, but please don't throw me out into Fourth South. If right. I'm trying to walk over to Main Street because you just blocked the sidewalk, it seems pretty unacceptable. And then I'm just hoping to God that these cars see me. I'm just making a spectacle of myself as I <laughs> walk through the <laughs> through the street like, hello, hello. <laughs> I'm only You're, wearing neon from yeah, here on right. out. <laughs> Doing the itsy bitsy spider with your hands, like trying yeah. to create. Don't create too much of a distraction or they'll crash right into you. Did you see this morning that UDOT, the Utah Department of Transportation, tweeted that there were 19 wrong way driving crashes? My in 2023 God. just people straight up turning down the wrong street or going the wrong way on the highway i'm like this is what we're up against do you oh. understand it's very important that yeah. we have a sidewalk
walk when we're when we're pedestrians. Like. Yeah, right. Meanwhile, I'm held to the expectation that I shouldn't wear black while I'm walking around Salt right. Lake City, <laughs> just so that I'm visible to the cars who should see me there in a you know with their headlights and but they can't even be expected to drive the right way. Honey, if they can't the see the wrong, if they can't see the do not enter sign, like oh, they cannot God. see your neon shoelaces. Like, yeah, no. I mean, I think that the problem with construction in this city is that it exacerbates commutes. It exacerbates our already stressful lifestyles. And it exacerbates the danger of our roads. And like, if we can figure out how to mitigate those things, Mm -hmm. then I think people don't mind looking at cranes, you know, or like a little bit of hammering or drilling. But again, expectation setting buddies. Epic Brewing is one of the OGs in building Utah's craft beer scene. But I am most excited about their recent adventures in canned cocktails. First, they released the Utah Mule. And as a big fan of ginger, I have been sipping those for almost a year now. But now, this April, we have the Utah Margarita. A delicious, locally fermented blend of real lime and agave, and they create alcohol by fermenting cane sugar instead of using tequila, which means you can buy Utah margaritas at the grocery store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita or Utah Mule at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or you can visit Epic Brewery on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. They're open seven days a week. And this fall, look out for the Utah Cosmo. Mother's Day is on the horizon, and the good news is that you can find everything you need at Harmon's. Whether it's a little something to brighten Mom's Day or a memorable spread, here are a few ideas. For breakfast, try Harmon's house-baked cinnamon rolls with freshly squeezed orange juice and a package of fresh-cut strawberries. If you're spicing it up with Bloody Marys, don't forget that Harmon's has an olive bar with over 12 different varieties. Now flowers are the perennial favorite, and you can order online or pop by the store last minute. Shop succulents, potted plants, and elaborate arrangements. May's flower of the month is the hydrangea. Very appropriate. Hydrangeas are fragrant and elegant. And if sweets are in order, Harmon's has added raspberry to their selection of brownie flavors. Find all mom's favorites at your local Harmon's or order online at harmonsgrocery.com. Okay, Emily Means, before we get out of here, let's do pick of the week. You first. Okay, me first. So in the spirit of a last minute gift giving, I'd like to recommend to folks to give the gift of a CityCast Salt Lake membership. This is a program we started this year, which helps support the work we do here at CityCast on the podcast and in our Hey Salt Lake newsletter. As a member, you get access to ad-free podcast listening. But what I really want to hit home here is that your support helps us keep doing this thing that mm-hmm. you all rely on and you know you laugh at in the morning when we're when Allie and I are I don't know talking 
talking smack on you <laughs> dot or whatever it is. So, or when Allie claims she's going to become a DABS commissioner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Appointed exactly. by the Senate that she has basically nothing good to say about. <laughs> a girl can dream, okay? So, if you want to become a founding member of CityCast Salt Lake, you can go to membership.citycast.fm and I hope you do. I have to tell you, when you become a member, all four members of our team get a little ding on the desktop of our computer and your name pops up and it says, you just became like Joey Fatone. Just, oh my God, where did that come from? Joey Fatone just became a member of CityCast Salt Lake. And I go, every time. Wow. And especially if Joey Fatone becomes a member. Holy moly. Can you imagine? We don't need Justin to become a member. Okay. Get Joey in here. We don't even want Justin Justin. to listen. Justice for the rest of InSync. Right. Right. All right. For putting up with that guy. Okay. What's your pick of the week? Great pick of the week, Emily. And may I say, a CityCast Salt Lake founding membership makes a great gift, wink, 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 for the CityCast lover or Hey Salt Lake reader in your life. And on the note of gift giving, attention last minute shoppers, I see you. I am one of you. I'm with you. I will be out and about hitting the streets this weekend, trying to just check off what's left on my list here. Um... I have a suggestion. I have never not walked into Atelier, which is this really cute, oh my gosh, it's so cute, little, not even, it's not really a gift shop, but it kind of is. It's a store that carries Salt Lake makers. So like we're talking everything from like, they have like delightful watercolors to beautiful ceramics, some of my favorite candles and scents from Soy Murga. Um, They have a little clothing rack. Like everything in there is just beautiful and delightful and would certainly make a great gift. So if you are kind of struggling with someone on your list, pop by. I think it's one of the, honestly, the best stores in Salt Lake City. It's at 337 Pierpont Avenue. So kind of next to the old Slug Magazine headquarters, kind of by the Rose Establishment over Mm -hmm, there mm -hmm. near the Gateway. I love Um, that little street. So worth popping in. I have brought many people there when they need to find a birthday gift or something, and they always have luck. So they also do something... They do these care packages, so you can order them on their website, and they start at $30 and then go up by increments of $10 up to $100, and they will assemble just a delightful little package of things in the store and send it to someone that you love. So if you're shopping- That is cute, Right, so if you're shopping for someone out of state, you want to send them some Salt Lake Delights. It's like chocolates and candles and soaps and face masks and things like that. Um, The care package option is incredible any time of year. I just discovered it and I'm changed forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to rely too hard on that (laughs) going forward. (laughs) Love that, Allie. Anything else to say before we get out of here? There won't be a Friday News Roundup next Friday, but we'll be back in the new year with lots to say as always. I guess I wanted to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast this year. Thank you for everyone who's already become a founding member of CityCast Salt Lake. We so appreciate it. We hope you tell a friend and happy holidays, Allie. Happy holidays, Emily. Happy New Year to you and your family. Thank you. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our executive producer is Emily Means. Our producers are Ivana Martinez, Dylan Brogan, and Lizzie Goldsmith. 
Our newsletter editor is Terina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria, with additional music from all the kimonos. We will be back Tuesday morning with more from around this city. Have a great holiday weekend.